Welcome to Radio Drama Revival, the show dedicated to stories told through the medium of sound, showcasing the diversity and vitality of modern audio theater. Hear your news, reviews, discussion, and of course, stories. I'm your host, Fred, that theme music by Roger Gregg of Crazy Dog Audio Theater. And today, I'm afraid, is our last week of Sci-Fi February. Ooh, that did go quickly, didn't it? Um, we are featuring today the second week of a group uh, who we hope you're going to hear much more of um, that presented the spectacular series The Witch Hunter Chronicles. As I mentioned last week, we got a hat trick to the Sonic Society for turning me on to this awesomely gothic comic book, larger-than-life fantastic tale of, well, it's a tale about a witch hunter and his troubles with his orders when he gets obsessed with, you know, one little evil cult too many. <laughs> uh, it's great stuff. Uh, really one of the gems from the podcasting arena I've heard lately. That and Edict Zero, I mean, out of nowhere, um, this is what keeps me excited after, um, you know, running Radio Drum Revival for almost f- for five plus years now is that uh, I can still be completely delighted and entranced by new series uh, so thanks to the creators of both shows for that um, little gift to me, um, and I hope um, I'm repaying the favor just a little bit by passing that gift on to you. So today, so in the today, we've got episodes four through six um, and more. After that, there are more. You must go to their website, whchronicles.wordpress.com. That's whs and witchhunterchronicles.wordpress.com. Guaranteed you'll be happy that you did. Um, first off, before we get to the main feature, though, we have another review from our reviewer extraordinaire, Captain Radio. Check it out. Greetings, Audionauts. Captain Radio here with a look at... Third Coast Live Radio Theater, bringing bits of old-time radio with bits of new-time radio done like old. When founded by Barbara Turning in 2001, Third Coast Live Theater recorded compilations of live shows performed before appreciative audiences in cozy public Dallas-Fort Worth, Texas venues. Their variety format included music, spoofed commercials, and sketches in the style of old-time radio greats Bob and Ray. What do you do? I am the president and recording... Secretary? Recording secretary? Secretary of the S... T-O-A. And what does that stand for? The Slow Talkers of America. 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 Gradually, the troupe developed a voice and style all its own. By mid-decade, Barbara had become a consummate networker, and one of her connections, San Francisco comedy writer Jim Crenna, encouraged TCL to push on full steam with their popular modern culture spoofs. In this 21st century send-up of Who's On First, a prospective computer buyer founders hopelessly on what now would be familiar computer-related product names. I'm thinking of buying a computer. Mac? No, my name is Robin. Your computer. I don't own a computer. I want to buy one. Mac? I told you, my name is Robin. What about Windows? Why, does it get stuffy in there? Do you want a computer with Windows? I don't know. What do I see when I look through the Windows? Wallpaper. The troupe's success, producing original material and live performance, peaked in 2005 in a fateful theatrical run, grimly referred to thereafter as the Lakewood event. TCL booked a performance run at the lavishly restored 1930s East Dallas Lakewood Theater and, for the first time, entrusted event marketing to a third party. Unfortunately, the underwhelming marketing campaign drew paltry attendance. Recovering from disappointment and looking for a new heading, TCL migrated into sound studios. There they began producing scripted studio sketches, which evolved to resemble current podcast audio comedy. Skits grew to scenes that eventually matured into full episodes featuring recurring lead characters. Most recently appeared investigator Dick Private and his sidekick Jocko, portrayed by voice veterans Bob Magruder and John William Galt. The front door burst open. A sax player entered followed by a tall, slinky, red-headed woman. What is it with women and musicians? 
She moved like she was doing the tango with the invisible man. Her dress clung to her like sausage casing around a Ferrari. I had the sudden urge to take a test drive. Good evening, Miss Rouge. TCL will soon release its first tongue-in-cheek episodes of Frontier Notary and The Lone Arranger. Hopefully some of these sonic samples have left you... So be sure to drop by your friendly neighborhood Third Coast Live Theater website at thirdcoastlive.net. Until next time, Audionauts, this is Captain Radio signing off. All right, thanks, Captain Radio. And if you'd like your show reviewed to Radio Drama Revival, just go to our website, radiodramarevival.com. You can submit your show there. Um, many things will be uh, escalated to to the show's regular rotation from the shows that get submitted. Uh, we'll also try to get a review in if we can um, or feature you on one of Captain Radio's own podcasts, um, which he's working on at Captain Radio. All right, on to our feature presentation, uh, Witch Hunter Chronicles, Episodes 4 through 6. Enjoy. Tell me your name, and tell me who you were in your life. My name was Ludlov, and I was a witch hunter. that this is going to be a quarrel. There will be no argument this time, Ludlov. My mind is made up. Say it then, and be done with it. I have been very seriously considering putting the Magicide Act in effect for quite some time. As you know, the Act was created years ago, and the choice of whether or not to enforce it was left to me. You know what I'm going to say now. You've seen enough, Ludlov. The Magicide Act. You are truly going to do this? Yes. I have been doubting for a long time, but now my mind is made but up. Lady Halskiv, blindly following the demands of this strange messenger is nothing short of selling the soul of our very order. You know as well as I that it has always been unavoidable, Ludlov. Killing all magicians is the only way of preserving the stones for the greater good. No, lady. It means killing thousands of innocent people at the whim of one unknown maniac. Did you witness what just happened in that room, Lodlov? A being that commands light and darkness at the snap of a finger is not to be trifled with. And therefore you will listen to him. It should turn you against him. Clearly, that was sorcery. Really? A sorcerer? Telling us to eradicate his own kind? I don't know what his motivations might be either. My friend, look inside your heart. You know the truth. The holy words predicted this day would come. They even predicted dark messengers would come carrying the wrath of the goddess. All the pieces of the puzzle are falling together. Do you not see 
the greater picture. Dark messengers, wrath of the goddess, hmm? Those were late additions to the scriptures, and heavily disputed ones at that. Do you doubt the scriptures, Lodlov? Is that what you're trying to tell me? Then I should have you arrested at once. Do you realize that? These late additions, as you call them, are clearly proving to be correct. Open your eyes, Ludlov. My eyes are open, milady, and I say to you, if that creature was indeed an emissary of our goddess, then she does not deserve our obedience. What? This is blasphemy. That is not the goddess, lady. That is the enemy. Listen to me carefully, Ludlov. If you will not obey my command, then you will be the enemy. The prophecies predicted a time would come when the power of the stones would be emptied by those who use it vainly. Innocent some of those people may be, but they do threaten our world. This is that predicted time, and only through their sacrifice can we save our worlds from the hordes of the evil. Sacrifice? A sacrifice is a willful act. What you speak of is a massacre. You are a hopeless romantic, Ludlov. The world is not a beautiful place, and there never will be. Violence is the way of the world, and at times it must be the way of our order. Now is not the time for weakness and mercy. My lady, I cannot believe I'm hearing such things coming from your mouth. You are the one who taught me to be strict and fair. This is strict and fair. The Magicide Act is my official order, and you will carry out this order, Ludlov, like all witch hunters. By this time tomorrow, I will have assembled the death squads. You will be among them. Not a single magic user will be spared, and God is willing, the stones will remain safe. Be with us, or be on the other side. I see the resolve of your mind now, milady. I will return to my inn, think, and tomorrow you will know my decision. Very well. And I will return to the witch hunter's headquarters by the Grand Cathedral. God love. History will forgive us. But death will not. I did respect you, milady. and into safety. Somewhere. Somewhere where they won't look. She must remain safe. She must. Be quick, Ludlov. Be quick. But think. This is dangerous. It could be my own end. Damn me! 
I cower over saving one when I should be finding a way to save all those innocent souls from the... the madness that has befallen our order. I must act. But Samina first. Samina first. Samina! You! What are you doing here right Hold now? Hold absolutely still and don't make a sound. Um, a Shh! Ugh. You're free. Free? What do you mean? I mean, leave this dungeon right now. What's going on? I have just spoken to the Grand General. A terrible decision has been made and unless you and I get as far away from this place as possible, tomorrow you will be dead. As for me... I don't know what you expect. What? Please, Ludlov, tell me! There really isn't much time, Semina. That guard outside could wake up at any moment. Please, Ludlov, what's going on? The Grand General has approved the Magicide Act. In short, it means that all possible magic users will be killed outright. You mean, no trials? No trials, no exceptions, nothing. Obliteration. We must warn the others. I wish we could, but right now the only option is fleeing. Ludlow? The mayor! How did he get here? Ludlow, you could have at least spared Griswold's jaw. I sent him home, poor fellow. Why are you here, Master Grundheim? Right after you left my party, the Grand General and I had a little conversation. She told me you were opposed to her plans. I'm not a fool, Ludlow. This is not what it seems, Mayor. Your knockdown guard, a forced door, a broken chain, a pretty girl about to be executed, and a lonely man standing together alone in the dark. Please, Ludlove, can you not see? She's bewitching you. All those pathetic efforts of fainter disdain towards her. He's so hopeless at these things. You never were good at hiding your true feelings. I do not bewitch, sir. I could not. Please, sir. Please allow me to save her life. Begging now. You're above such things, Ludlov. Fearsome witch hunter, come on, don't play games. You know Grand General Hoskiv is right. If you let her live, you allow her to keep drawing from the stones. And you know what that means. There is no proof to warrant such slaughter. It is the official doctrine of the Church of the Goddess, and there is no proof of the opposite, Ludlov. Are you with us? No, I am not. Then you can no longer be a witch hunter. You will be stripped of your rank and I will have to hold you in this cell. No. For the maiden's sake, Ludlov, there is no other way. I respect your decision, but you must face its consequences too. I cannot do what you ask of me. I must free her. Then let me make it easy for you, Ludlov. If I take this girl's life, there's nothing left for you to free anymore. Maybe then you'll come to your senses, hmm? Please! You will not harm her. I'm sorry, but someone will have to. Please, sir, you must listen. I will not listen to the words of a witch! If you spare her life, I will- No, Ludlow, begging, bribing. Honestly, you deeply disappoint me. You should be a witch hunter. And this is what a real witch hunter would do. No! You bastard! I will forgive you for hitting me, Ludlow. 
But you will thank me later on for what I did. You forget one thing. I hold the pistol now, Grundheim. I know you won't shoot. Why did you want to save her life? Because you liked her? Go back to being a witch hunter. Do what you were born to do, what you were good at. Go back to the Grand General and tell her that... No! Ludlow? Hang on, Samina. I will save you. I will get you out of this. Outskirts. It was the longest ride of my life. The horse I had stolen was old and weak, and I had wearied it out ere I reached the gates. All the while, Samina was as pale as moonlight. The life was hanging by a thread, I could tell. And if the news of my deeds had preceded me, I knew that all hope would have been lost. But when I reached the city gates, the guards recognized me as Ludlow, the witch hunter, the authority, the man they respected, and so they let me pass. But you killed them? Yes. Bystanders. Men with wives and children. Men who had done me no wrong. I, I killed them because I could leave no witnesses. To save the life of one girl, you murdered three men. I don't know. 
I don't know. I, I could say that in that moment I truly believed that it was to save the lives of thousands of magicians that I murdered them, but it would be a lie. The truth is, I don't know what went through me as I drew my pistol against those men. I don't know. Was it mere self-preservation? Was it concern for the other magic users in the city? Perhaps it was just the way Samina seemed to remind me of Maria, or the way those guards reminded me of the Order, of the Mayor, of the whole damn madness. I hate what I did. At nights I have hated my very self for what I did that night. But knowing what I know now and knowing what I knew then, I would do it again. And so you reach the outskirts? Yes. After the guards had opened the smallest gates in the city wall, which were still a majestic sight, and after I had murdered them, I rode out of the great city of Seven Peaks and so entered the outskirts. It started to rain. Simple shacks of wood and animal skin built against the massive city walls, crouching up against them like ivy on a steep rock. The outskirts, where even at this late hour of the longest day of my life, lanterns and torches illuminated everything. Beggars, dressed in simple rags, curiously following my horse like dogs, expecting a treat without fear. A place where being a witch hunter meant nothing. The only place where Samina and I could possibly be safe. And did you find a healer? By the time I did, I almost thought Samina had already died. She was so pale and so still, I, I truly feared I had lost her. But the bent old man in his simple dark wooden hut just smiled warmly. She would not die that night, he said. And he was right. She needs rest, my friend. A shot wound is no small thing. She shows much resilience. No one in the city must know of our whereabouts. What exactly is it that you are fleeing from, my friend? Have you committed some kind of crime? I killed the mayor of Seven Peaks. You... Oh, I see. Yes, I can see that being a bit of a pickle to be landed in. I did not want to kill him, sir. Believe me, it was a... a last resort. Let me guess. You wanted to save her life? Yes. Do you love her? Please, I sir. know, I know, I know. It's not my place to ask you such things. She and I have an urgent and important task <laughs> to accomplish together. Samina. The others, the magicians, we must... Shh, be still, my child. Who are you? My friends here call me Doctor. You're a doctor? Well, my friends call me that. Let's just leave it at that. 
I don't think there are any official doctors out here in the outskirts, Samina. Ludlow, the outskirts? Is that where we are? Yes. And if it hadn't been for Master Doctor here, you would have been dead by now. Thank you so much, sir. I just did what any doctor would do. I thought you were not actually a doctor. Well, what anyone named doctor would do, then? <laughs> you may not be a doctor, but you are clearly a healer. Semina seems to have recovered remarkably well. Well, titles are but titles, aren't they? Witch hunter. Hmm. Well observed. Lulov, we must be quick. We must warn the other magicians. I'm sorry, Semina. But we cannot return to the city just yet. You're too weak. But I'll make sure as many as possible will be warned. How? You see this ring? It... It has an enchanted stone. Indeed. It was a gift I received a long time ago. This ring summons a hawk, my old friend, Fulcrin. Fulcrin can send many messages at once, as long as he knows where they need to be delivered. What I need of you is a list of your magic-using friends and where they may be found. And then I will send forth Fulcrin to warn them against the Magicide Act. Oh, Ludlov, this is a blessing indeed. I will get on it at once. But don't tire yourself, Sabina. You're still very weak. Doctor, could you get her a quill and some parchment? Well, what kind of doctor would I be if I didn't have some available? <laughs> Here you go, darling. Pardon my curiosity, Master Ludlov, but what is this Magicide Act you speak of? It is a terrible law that Grand General and the Mayor have passed together. It commands the immediate assassination of anyone suspected of witchcraft or spellcasting. The, 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 the horror of it! Why would they possibly want to do such a monstrous thing? Well, it seems that when fear rules one's mind, the mind itself is lost forever. The Magicide Act was triggered by pure panic. Panic? For what? How much do you know about the Seven Sacred Stones, Doctor? Well, not much. I've lived all my life out here, outside the city. You insiders will probably call us heathens, but we know little of the official religion. Well, you are not alone, friend. I fear the Church itself seems to understand precious little of it. I know there are seven sacred stones kept in seven towers around the cathedral... I know they are of great spiritual importance, um, that is all. Well, to understand their true meaning, one needs to delve back into a faraway past. A past not of this world. What do you mean? The tale takes us to the heavens. The goddess, living in the never-ending expanses of the heavens, once possessed a daughter, known to us as the Sacred Maiden. When the goddess had crafted the earth as a gift to her daughter, she assigned her prime angel to be the maiden's companion as she visited it for the first time. The angel's name was Lucus, a being both strong and beautiful, and also proud. As Lucus brought the maiden to the top of the highest mountain of the world to show it to her, 
the maiden was so deeply touched with joy at the majestic sight of the earth that she cried tears that glistened on her cheeks with a shining beauty. In this instance, the passionate Lucus fell in love with the maiden. After he had fulfilled his task, he returned to the heavens to continue his duties for the goddess, and so much time passed without event. But one day, Lucus went to his divine mistress, and he said unto her, Great lady, long have I toiled in your service, and never have I asked you for more than the honor of fulfilling your kind commands. Indeed, Lucus, and I am grateful for it. But when I saw your daughter's tears, I was changed wholly on the inside. For now, every hour of service has become an hour of missing, as I long to see her tears again. Dear Lucas, I do not deny that you have always served me well, and you have earned my kindness. Therefore I will not deny you the honor of seeing my daughter, but I say to you now, no longer will you desire her tears, for there is a danger in that longing that is too great for you to comprehend. And Lucus nodded, and he obeyed her, although he did not understand the goddess's command. Then he descended to the earth, and spoke to the maiden, and saw what had happened. Grateful for her mother's gift, the maiden had populated the earth with many creatures, and chief among her creations was mankind. So great was her love for the men and women of this earth that she had given them a soul. And Lucus, in this hour, felt envy. And so he disobeyed the goddess and asked the maiden for her tears. Please, dear lady, grant me this gift, lest I be tormented forever. Verily, to be given but the taste of a great gift is a torment far greater than never to be given anything at all. Then forgive me, dear Lucas, for I cannot willingly give you what you ask, as only great beauty or great horror can draw tears from my eyes. Deeply disappointed, Lucus returned to his labors. In private hours he toiled, long and hard, desperately trying to create a thing of such beauty that it could draw tears from the eyes of the maiden. And so, with all his skill, he made a great blade, shaped as a sickle, which shone with a great light. Lucus returned to the earth, to the top of the mountain, where the maiden stood to watch mankind flourish, and he showed the sickle. And while the maiden was delighted, no tears formed in her eyes. And he could see in her smile as she watched humanity that her delight at the little people was far greater than anything he could ever give her. And so he felt deeply hurt and bitter. So great was his envy and his anger then, that he drew forth his new forged tickle and went down into the valley, and he slew all of mankind, save two, one man and one woman, who had managed to hide in the caves beneath the mountain. In his act of pure hatred, Lucos had turned away from the light, and from that moment onward, he was no longer an angel. 
His skin became black, and his wings turned to leather, and his eyes that at first shone with light now glowed with evil passion. Long horns grew on his head as his face was deformed, and Lucas himself knew what he had become. The evil. The maiden had seen what Lucas had done, and her grief was unbearable. But then the new and perverted Lucas came before her, towering high like a dreadful shadow. You would not give me tears of joy. So now will you give me tears of horror? Never vile thing. Understanding Lucas's terrible mind, the maiden fought hard against her tears, refusing him what he had desired. Lucas's anger was now so great that he took forth his sickle and slew the maiden with it. No longer could she withhold her tears as she died, and as they streamed down her face and mingled with her blood, they were formed into seven stones. As the maiden's last cries rose up to the heavens, they were heard by a mother, the goddess. Then the goddess saw what had happened, and she cursed Lucus, and smote him into the abyss. And there, to this day, the evil's power has grown. Wandering the earth, the goddess found the sacred stones made from the blood and tears of her daughter. And now the Divine Mother saw that in them, something of the maiden's kindness and spirits had remained. These stones had the gift to withstand the might of Lucus and keep him away from the earth. And so the goddess gave the sacred stones to the last remaining couple of humans and told them to keep them safe. Each stone possessed the power of a virtue of the maiden and those virtues would hold back the evil. But they could not last forever. One day, the stone's power would end. It is said that in the day that the stones at last run dry, Lucas's power will have grown as great as that of the goddess, and he will emerge out of the abyss and take the earth to make it his own. Tell me your name, and tell me who you were in your life. My name was Ludlove, and I was a witch hunter.
Lulov. Why do you not sleep, Samina? It's late in the night. I'm worried. I have dispatched Falkrin. Your friends have been warned. It is up to them now to find safety. It's not just that, Ludlow. Then what else troubles you? Today, you spoke to Doctor and told him the story of the sacred stones. Yes. And then you told him that the church believes that magicians draw their power from those stones, sucking them dry. Yes. And that once the stones will be emptied, the evil one will come with his armies. That's correct. But what you did not tell him is what you believe. I am not the church, Samina. I've seen and heard enough of you to know that now. But what do you believe, witch hunter? I do not believe in the power of the stones. Why not? Because my heart tells me so. We are the children of the maiden, and it is in us that she continues, not in a lifeless stone. But do you fear Lucas's return? Yes, I do. Don't you think that the goddess is more powerful than he is? Samina, if the goddess was not powerful enough to save her own daughter from this wrath, do you think she will be able to preserve us? A strong point. However, we, children of nature as you call us, hold a different belief. I'd love to have a different belief. Will you share yours with me? <laughs> you are the only witch hunter I've ever heard of who would not call me a blasphemer now, so yes, I will share it with you. In one word, sacrifice. What does that mean to you? A willful act. From... from the maiden's part, you mean. But why? Why would she do such a thing to herself? It might be worth pondering upon, Ludlow. I will say no more. Very well. Do you think you could sleep now? <laughs> Not yet, I think. There is still too much on my mind. Sigurd? Don't you remember that I told you that I needed time to get to trust you? Vividly. We are one step further, you and I. Perhaps I can tell you about him now. About my brother. You have my ear, Samina. Sigurd had always been an adventurous boy. He had heard of the Black Sickle through many stories. And one day he told me he wanted to infiltrate them get to know them, and maybe bring down the evil cult from inside. So that's why he left home? Yes. Yes, and I didn't see him for a long, long time. Until recently. What happened? I saw Sigurd in the city, but only very briefly, because if the Black Sickle knew he was gone, he would surely be killed by them. He did not dare to tell me anything, fearing the ears of the cult might be everywhere. He just told me that he missed Mother and me very much. It was brave and foolish of him to infiltrate the cult. For those in its grip, do not escape. Ludlow, I have to believe I can get him out of there. Else I have nothing left. Don't you understand what I have lost? My home, my mother, and now him. Yes. And all to the Black Sickle, Samina. For it was they who started the fire that destroyed your home and 
killed your mother. I know. And I know that you have not yet told me all, Semina. No. No, indeed, there is more. When he left, Sigurd slipped a small note into my hand. It said, look for my news at the Wildwood Treehouse. What did he mean by that? Do you know? <laughs> yes. Yes, I do. When Sigurd and I were children, we used to play in the Wildwood. We had a treehouse there. In the Wildwood? In the Wildwood? Samina, how is that possible? That place is full of vicious creatures. The animals that live there are children of nature just as I am, Rudolf. I do not fear them. And now, now I know that Sigurd has left news for me there. News that could lead us to him. And to the Black Sickle. Then indeed, this is a blessing, Samina. Thank you. We must go into the Wildwood as soon as you are ready for travel. Stop your tale for a moment, Ludlov. You say that you went to the Wildwood soon after? Yes, yes I did. You do not know how narrowly you avoided capture there. Let me give you the first bit of the other side that I spoke of. Shortly after you fled with Samina, the news of your crimes reached the office of Grand General Hoskiv. Grand General Hoskiv, you summoned us? Yes, I did. You are the finest guards in Seven Peaks and I have a special mission for you. I cannot spare any of my witch hunters right now in this hectic time, and you are the next best thing. Already we have lost Varthek in the Inferno, and now with the Magicide Act and the murder of the mayor, the city has never been more chaotic. Yes, madam. Prepare yourselves for what you are about to hear. We have lost another witch hunter as well, but this one is not dead. He's merely on the run. A witch hunter on the run? He's the one who killed the mayor, there's no doubt. You mean, there's a traitor within the Order? Worse, it's Ludlov. Ludlov? Of all people? Are, are you certain? I fear so. Madam, Master Ludlov was like son to you. Do such things matter now, guard? He's a wanted criminal. We will be brought to justice. Y yes, madam, certainly. Begin your search and be relentless. Leave no path unexplored. Leave no questions unasked. And when you find him, and find him you will, before you can expect having any sleep or rest, bring him to me alive. Alive? Use any methods necessary. Yes, madam. And so... While the guards left in pursuit of you and Semina, the Magicide Act was put in effect. It began with the marshalling of the witch hunters on the great marketplace before the cathedral. Lady Hoskiv gave them a short, simple briefing, and they left. The screams in the city did not end until the next morning. From door to door they went with their torches and their swords, separating husbands and wives, parents and children. Sometimes here and there they found a house to be empty. Perhaps those were the ones who had received Falcon's message. But there were not many. The hunters were relentless in their persecution. To many it was like a feast. Destroying houses. Slaying all who fought back. Sacrificing every person suspected of witchcraft to the great flames without exception. At dawn, 
A great black cloud hovered over seven peaks, and the smell of dead flesh was everywhere. In the early grey light of the morning, the Grand General stood by the pyres on the marketplace, engulfed in the scent of smoke. She had not slept that night. It, it seems that Master Ludlov killed two guards by the city gates. Their families have been informed. Tell me, did you know these men? Well, yes, milady. How well did you know them? We, we were on good terms. So were Ludlov and I, guard. But I say to you now, all the hatred that I know you now feel towards him, set it loose. Get him. And I promise you, I will not... Be merciful. Yes, milady. We presume he may be hiding somewhere in the outskirts. Very well. Continue your search. few more episodes from the Witch Hunter Chronicles there for you, whchronicles.wordpress.com. Ten episodes deep and more coming. I hope you uh, get to check out whchronicles.wordpress.com to hear the rest. Um, and if you're a bit depressed that Sci-Fi February um, is over, don't worry, we've got more uh, coming up in March, actually, um, with my very own The Cleansed. Uh, the Cleansed is a post-oil apocalyptic radio play. You may have heard it back in uh, October, if you were lucky, um, on the Halloween live broadcast streaming through transcontinentalterror.com, as well as WKIT and WMPG here in the main area. But we haven't been able to get it out on the podcast circuits because I used way too much copyright music. Well, uh, finally remixed, remastered it with uh, music that I do have the rights to use, and it is pretty darn cool. I hope you'll like it. Um, it'll ultimately be a 15-hour series um, along the lines of any of the major epic um, audio podcasts out there. Um, right now you get a 42-minute pilot. I'll give you a taste of it. In the year 2030, the has hit the fan. Whoa, 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 whoa. Hey, hey, Bobby. Bobby, what's going on? Bobby? Bobby? The world's nations fight each other for oil. Food is scarce. The electric grid goes dark. And in Bangor, Maine, an angry militia overthrows the government. Oh, chill out, dude! Okay, okay, you got it! A group of soldiers and civilians must band together to survive this man-made apocalypse. But not only do they have to fight, they must learn to trust each other. Slow down! Slow down, stick with us! Luke! Chris, you protect the group, I'm going in. Listen to the pilot episode of The Cleanse, an epic post-oil audio adventure by award-winning Final Room Productions. Hey, we're supposed to stick together here, Kurt. What the hell's wrong with you? I want a little drama for all of our radio listeners. I want the whole world to know. Coming March 4th, the Radio Drama Revival. And that was the promo for The Cleanse. It'll be featured here on Radio Drama Revival debut uh, March 4th. 
uh, which that same day, if you're in the Portland, Maine area, I'm going to be having an event at Coffee by Design, one of our wonderful local independent coffee shops, um, to talk about the project. And um, you can send your friends to thecleansed.com. Please, if you're if you like this, if you want to hear more of it, uh, check out the website. I'm trying to gather support for it. Um, you can buy T-shirts, get CDs, get postcards, stickers, whatever you want. Uh, good stuff. And um, yeah, and, and following up with that, uh, we are going to be having Bradbury 13. Yes, Bradbury 13. You heard me right. Ray Bradbury's um, short stories adapted by Michael McDonough, um, spectacular sound designer who uh, started with this NPR project has gone on to do uh, film for many sounds, um, finally able to, uh, to dish the dirt for you. It is a very exciting interview as well as um, showcase opportunity that'll be March 11th here on the show. And then <laughs> more professional stuff uh, straight from the BBC coming up later in March. So a uh, really strong schedule ahead in the coming weeks. Hope you enjoy it all here on Radio Drama. Revival. Um, and of course, remember, you can find over 150 hours of original audio drama programming at radiodramarevival.com. You can also learn about the latest in audio drama news by following us on Twitter. Follow at Radio Drama or search Facebook, Radio Drama Revival. We've got a page there and um, handy old iTunes search for Radio Drama Revival. Um, if you could post a review, we've had um, some mixed bag in there. Only the, the, the sour grapes have been reporting. And I hope that a few of our loyal listeners would help stand up for the show on uh, the iTunes store. Hit up the Radio Drama Revival a podcast page. Okay, that wraps up for this week. Radio Drama Revival is produced by yours truly, Fred Greenhalgh. Copyright of individual shows remains their original producers, but do please share this show as far and widely as you like. Radio Drama Revival originates in on-air radio at WMPG-FM, Greater Portland, Maine's community radio. It is podcast at radiodramarevival.com's Labor Love. Till next time, keep your mind and your ears open. Thanks for tuning in and have a great week. Mm-hmm.